Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. I play quite a bit of D&D across the editions. First of all, if you'd indulge me, I'd like to read out the hold person spell from Old School Essentials. And then I'm going to read out the hold person spell from 5th edition D&D. Third level magic user spell, hold person. Duration, one turn per level. Range, 120 feet. This spell causes one or more humans, demi-humans or humanoid monsters to be paralysed if they fail a saving throw versus spells. It may be cast in two ways. One, against an individual, the target saving throw is penalised by a minus two. Or two, against a group. 1d4 individuals in the group are targeted. Restrictions, humanoids of greater than 4 plus 1 hit dice are, and undead, are not affected. Hold person, second level enchantment, cast in time, one action, range 60 feet, components, verbal, somatic and material. Duration, concentration, up to one minute. Choose a humanoid that you can see within range. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be paralysed for the duration. At the end of each of its turns, the target can make another Wisdom saving throw. On a success, the spell ends on the target. At higher levels, when you cast this spell using a spell slot of 3rd level or higher, you can target one additional humanoid for each slot above 2nd. The humanoids must be within 30 feet of each other when you target them. Two versions of the whole person spell then. I can hear you saying, Spike Pit, what are you on about, so what? The older version, taken from BX, Basic Expert, D&D, the later one, 5th edition, like I said. And this is what I'm talking about, change. There's been a clear, to my mind, change in the philosophy, how the designers are are thinking about the game with regard to what I call the miss-a-turn mechanism in gaming. Now... It strikes me that a lot of people that talk about games and look into theory of gaming and everything, a lot of these folk uh, are are GMs, referees, running games. Some of them may never play as players on the other side of the DM screen. Some of them do a bit of both. A lot of the time I've heard people talk about 5th edition D&D, call it a player's game. I think this is because it's widely accepted that BX is perhaps a little bit more simple or it's perceived as simple. I think a good deal of that is to do with familiarity. The people that that like that version of the game have been playing it a long time and it's it's more or less in their blood. So when something new comes along, there's a bit of resistance. If, if you look at these spells as an example of how the game has changed, I think we can start to unravel some of the reason why it might be popular with players. And I think some of it is to do with this miss-a-turn idea. We 
are always talking about how difficult it is to get a group of players together sometimes. You see games cancelled over scheduling issues, domestic issues, anxiety issues. There's always a reason to bring, a down, bring down a game. It, it takes time and effort to put a game on and get players together. The last thing you want to do is take your players out of the action. I'm not so sure that the person running the game is always conscious of this. Because if, if you're the DM, you, you don't get taken out of the game. But if you're a player, one spell, like an OSC whole person spell... That, that could be the end of the session for you. It all hinges on one saving throw. That's fair enough. I hear you shout, yeah, but you can... Uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That happens to the bad guys. Yep, understand all that. However, if a player casts it on an NPC or a monster, there's always plenty more monsters and NPCs to fill the gap. The DM is not out of the game. The player, however, is. And I think there's a few areas in 5th edition where it's clear to me that the designers have thought about this. I was thinking the other day how it works with death saves and, and some other stuff. But you, you don't want to take your player out of the game. If you're, for instance, streaming the game, so we've seen a rise in popularity with streamed games, if you've got five players and three or four of them are sat there like dummies, that's not good entertainment. Have the designers at Watsy thought about this? I think they have. I can understand if you're streaming, you, this is about representing an actual game. You're not necessarily trying to put on a show, but some people are. I don't want this to come across as I think that's what you should be doing, but it, it just makes sense to me. You want to keep people engaged in the game. So what do we do about this? What are some of the the solutions? Well, you could use a more modern system. So that's where I think 5e really, really comes in. I think a lot of thought has gone into them spells. Most of the, most of the sort of stuff that could take you out in an old game has been modified now so that you can maybe save every round or someone else can come along and solve the problem for you. So you're introducing teamwork, you're, you're, you're keeping things moving and not stagnating. I don't think it's great design to put things in your game that are going to take the player out of the game. You've spent all this time getting them there, getting getting folk round the table, and then with the fickleness of a single roll, they're out again. I don't think that's strong design. And when I talk about some of the older versions, design showing its age, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. I can already hear people bristling at my suggestion that the old spells in D&D, the designs, is not the best. Yeah, maybe that's from a, a player's point of view. I do a lot of playing of old school games, and whilst I don't run into this that often, I don't really run into masses of uh, spellcasters being used by DMs, and, and perhaps... 
perhaps they're cognizant of some of these problems so they they avoid them but if you if you actually look at this on paper it's a terrible idea let's take it away from D and 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 question this whole idea of miss a turn what are you getting from it let's look at it the other way around if you put it in a game why are you putting it in a game it's like a a consequence of something it's a way you you what you want to punish a character or punish a player it, it's not moving the story on it it stag it stagnates play takes people out of the game i don't i don't see the value of it far better to do something proactive you know something like a big ass fireball comes in and smashes a player to smithereens at least they can get into the game in another way all this of course matters less if you've got a method for getting the player into the game when their character is sort of frozen in time get them in the game another way yeah that's fair enough that's another bit of design but that's not in the original game as far as I can see, I'm not sure it's been considered. And I sort of think that maybe adversarial DMs of old didn't care. It's like, ah, well, you played bad, now you're frozen. Unlucky sucker, um, suck it up. If you were playing a board game, say, let's take a board game analogy. You're sitting there playing your average hour and a half board game. And every time it gets to your turn, you just have to pass. If that was a board game, that would be derided something terribly. Can you imagine that selling? I don't think so. That's like you'd play it once, you'd see it straight away and throw the game in the bin, I would have thought, cursing the day that you ever parted with your hard-earned cash. It's a strange one. I don't know what folk think, but I would be interested to hear... I had this discussion with Arfed. He doesn't seem to have a problem with it, should we say. I couldn't convince him, and I've got no idea why. Someone call in, tell me why. Why have a game where you make your players not play? I would like to just add a caveat. This has happened to my character a couple of times recently. And if anybody's listening thinks that this is me criticizing some kind of GM style or encounter design or anything like that that is not the case it has made me think about it a little bit more and I think a game system needs to help out a GM or someone running the game if you've got a bunch of these spells in there DMs, players are going to use them. It's right and proper that both sides have access to this type of stuff. But if the designers of the game had considered these types of issues a bit more, I think that would help players and DMs alike have a, have a more enjoyable and, and fulfilling session. I agree with you that lose a turn mechanics are no fun. No argument there. I think I probably, on reflection, could have used a better example than the whole person spells that I read out. The discussion that followed on Audio Dungeon Discord meant that I kind of buried my own lead. I wanted to hear why people thought that this, this, um, 
this miss a turn type of action that crops up why they thought it was needed in games and I feel that got a little bit lost I had no intention of uh, attacking the game I was hoping to take an objective look at the way these sort of additions of the same game had tackled this kind of idea of taking players out with whatever you know I use the example of spells, but it, it could be monsters, magic items, anything that's that's removing a player from the game. And I just was really looking for an example, and I, I felt the um, the designers of Fifth Edition had clearly made some effort to to reduce the effects of this 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 type of uh, mechanism. It's just been listening to you where you've been talking about the hold person spell. And whilst obviously I don't know whether the, the sort of D&D designers of 5th edition thought about this, obviously I agree that sort of having someone sit out for an entire session or whatever isn't a particularly good thing. Even if you're not streaming, just because the person's going to get distracted, they're not going to feel involved. Not good all round, basically. But to be honest, I don't really... In my viewpoint, I don't really see that as a system issue. I see that more as potentially a GM issue. Just because there's a hold person spell in the game doesn't mean I have to have all of my monsters coming in, popping off whole persons and sleeps and whatnot like it's going out of fashion. Now, obviously, you may want to use them occasionally, but it's down to the GM how much they're used. Now, one thing I think they have done in 5th edition, which we've seen has been sort of like an ongoing process since time immemorial, is they've tried to increasingly codify things. And they've gone, all right, some GMs who are maybe not as apt at judging whether they should be using whole persons and such like that, oh, we'll make a change to the system. So even if hold person, a go-go GM, comes out with all of his monsters, popping them off left, right and centre, the players have still got a chance of shaking it off and getting involved. And I can see the logic in doing that. You know, you're trying to bring it down so that people can carry on doing what they've always been doing uh, without leading to people not getting involved. However, to me, again, it's a case of lowest common denominator sort of thinking, where they're like, oh, because a couple of people aren't capable of judging that, we've got to change the system to accommodate them. Which, personally, although I can see the logic again, I'm not really a fan of. I've seen this, and I know I've spoke to you about this previously, a lot of the, the live-action role plays I've gone to, where because some idiot's done something that's caused safety concerns, there's then been a blanket ban. And I suppose that's my rambling point, really. You might say, well, they've just tweaked the, the whole person spell a little bit. It's not exactly the end of the world. No, of course it's not. You're absolutely right. However, a bit down the line... If like they find that maybe people are not using this whole person spell correctly or it has some flaws to it, will it get altered again? And if it's a different design team, will there be a different design philosophy behind altering it? At which point do you go, yes, we are now happy with this. It is fine. We will stick with it. Or is it the thin end of the wedge and they will never reach an end? And as we've already seen with spells becoming more complicated, more wordy, having more criteria, is it just going to become bloated and ridiculous? I certainly hope not, but I suppose only time will tell. And another thing occurred to me. 
a lot of the earlier spells and sort of like basic D&D and stuff like that, they didn't have that sort of large amount of criteria defining how they could be used. A lot of it was down to GM fiat. And over the years, as specific examples turned up, those spells were codified and had different things added to them. And that's absolutely fine. One thing has occurred to me, though, is part of these sort of uh, the, the toolkit of skills that the GM would acquire was learning how to adjudicate those things and when to use them. Now, I personally think, although I have no like massive beef with 5th edition, personally, I think it's designed so that the game's rule system does a lot of the heavy lifting without the GM having to adjudicate too much. Now, that's a bit of a double-edged sword as far as I'm concerned, because whilst it makes it easier for the GM to get into it and start running games of a certain level of quality straight away without having to go through the process like I did and I'm sure a lot of other people did of running a few really terrible games at the start but you learn from those terrible games and you become a better GM as a result. Now my only slight concern is if you don't have to go through that process because the game system is doing a lot of it for you and you don't have to adjudicate anything, is it going to take newer GMs a lot longer to pick up those valuable skills? Are they going to pick them up at all? I don't know. I'm no expert in such things, but I think it'd be a shame if future GMs were maybe a bit less prepared to adjudicate things because they've got this all singing, all dancing system that does a lot of that hard work for them without them really having to put too much thought into it. Because after all, how, what do you have to adjudicate if like the rules cover every situation? Now, you might like that. Personally, I don't. It's too much you know the durations are very long and you know in our astonishing swordsmen's and sorcerers of hyperborea game our warlock uses sleep at the beginning of every battle and we take out like half the enemies without that i don't know if we would be as successful as we've been so far um but that being said i think it provi provides important flavor to the game i mean that's kind of classic wizardry in my mind the ability to make a group of people fall asleep or the ability of a wizard to yell out in a booming voice to have someone hold in place um, there probably needs to be some adjustments there on duration and perhaps adjustments for the players to be able to make saving throws each round and whilst i'm not really bristling at you suggesting that the the older designs maybe are, are showing their age a bit because they were designed a long time ago I certainly don't think that the, the hold person scenario you've put up is an actual design problem because they brought in this wonderful thing in old D&D that you may have heard of to sort of adjudicate these things and sort of make sure that they didn't get out of control. They called it the GM. Now, if your GM's coming in, popping off those hold persons and putting people out of the game, I would suggest that's possibly more an issue with the GM or lack of preparedness rather than an actual issue with the system. For instance, if I was running an encounter where you were facing a load of beasts and I was like, oh, they've all got a high likelihood of paralyzing the party, I'd just tweak that encounter or not have them use that power. But one suggestion I would make where if someone gets paralyzed, you can get them into the game. If the party's got henchmen or hirelings or stuff like that, which obviously is a part of old D&D, very much so, then I would suggest simply having the player 
take control of one of those hirelings or something like that whilst their character is paralyzed that might be one way of getting them back into the game i can't really argue with john's point you can as a D dm or gm you can overcome pretty much anything hell you don't even need a system let's be fair you could just run the uh, spike pit free step rpg and, and not worry about any of this stuff i think it was actually john who called in not so long ago and, and said about how a game in some ways is uh, the gm and the system are like hand in glove so anytime you've got a situation like this i think the system needs to be helping out the gm as much as possible and i don't really share john's concerns about dumbing down the game it seems to me unlikely that you could come up with a a game system that really does answer all the questions uh, that arise in your average game there's always going to be something where the the GM needs to think on their feet. So I don't think there's much da danger of the skills going away. They they might be eroded somewhat, I would agree. You, you pay a price with that kind of system. The books are going to get bigger and bigger, harder to reference. You've got so many rules, you've got to delve in there and your chances of remembering all them all become remote. And... I, I personally like a style where I'm free to make rulings. If a game's caught up with uh, too many fiddly rules, it, it can be hampering to creativity. You, you've got, you're a little bit straight-jacketed when, when you want to tweak stuff. So um, I, I still maintain that Watsy were doing the right thing. To my mind, changing the way those spells were written reducing the durations giving you more opportunities to save that's that's basically what's happened with 5e and I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled as to why john is resistant to that kind of change he sort of explained it but what i feel he, he perhaps didn't answer for me and it's difficult leaving messages batters and forwards like this is is why do you actually want to keep that stuff I'm not suggesting you take them spells out. It's why do you want why do you want them one and done, uh, save or suck mechanisms? Because I think you can get the flavour of the game still without them. But I'm I'm not really questioning perhaps the the save or die because you're dead. You've got to deal with it and move on. So you're not sort of sitting out of the game. You, you can be making up another character and, and getting on with it. it. It really is the sort of freeze or paralysis whole person where you can't move on if you take a big hit and you die that's totally different to just being paralyzed with nothing to do and john mentions yeah become become a henchman and i'll say if you if you don't want to change change the spells and, and you're happy with keeping these long durations definitely give some thought to the alternatives but i'm, I'm still interested why why not just why not just give more saving throws and i don't know perhaps you don't want to let people off the hook perhaps it is more scary if if the player is actually getting 
penalised, not just the character. I think there's, there's more to discuss. Other systems, what are they doing about this type of thing? Yeah, man, miss a turn. I think your whole premise ignores one single fact, and that fact is I believe a player can still be playing even though their character doesn't have an action or a turn. And uh, you may not agree with that, but I think you can still be part of the action. You can involve yourself. You can talk. You can consider things. There's a lot of things that a player can do even when their player is held or asleep or unconscious or dead or whatever. So there's that. Also, I don't think you're wrong about ways to make it better, like uh, check every round or maybe being able to burn a stat to save the check. That's really in genre, I think. Anyway, later. I am ignoring the point that you can still be in the game even though you're very limited to what you do. I think it's a style of play thing. It, it is dependent on quite a few different factors as to how much enjoyment you're actually going to get out of the game at that point. With younger players in particular, I struggle a little bit keeping their attention at the best of times. We've all got those players that the slightest little thing, they're disengaged. I mean, some players will be disengaged even between turns. The minute they're not doing something, boom, they're on their phone or whatever. But it's, it is very true. And it the, the point Jason makes here raises something else. This idea of talking. I've been playing role-playing games a long time and it's it was something that was always discouraged as we was growing up. You, you kind of wouldn't talk if you wasn't involved in the action. There's not really a great reason for that. I think it was a little bit about spoiling people's immersion because if you're... If you've just been playing in first person and your character has gone down, if as a player you st suddenly start talking and helping other players solve problems and things like that, in some groups they're going to be, oh, 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 what do you think you're doing? You're dead or, or you're, you're unconscious. You're not there is a classic. Oh, you're not there. Be quiet. I've definitely had that. Nowadays, I'm probably willing to kind of... Uh, ease off with that because for this very reason if that kind of talk keeps players engaged i'm prepared to overlook it because i'm, I'm less concerned about this idea of player skill i wanted to comment on your miss a turn mechanics podcast i think i tend to agree um i don't like it i don't like it for players it's kind of boring but uh, i guess i have a different philosophy of gming and that the players are the story not the world not the NPCs. I like to see heroicness, even heroicness by the skin of one's teeth. And I definitely like the changes where players, or even bad guys in that case, can re-roll once per round to get out of the miss a turn. But how would one change the OSR? Would one leave it alone or add in uh, some sort of meta-currency mechanic? I know one of the gyms we play with does that. Um, we have like hero points or astonishing fortune and we can use it for rerolls or to mitigate the effects but then those run out right so what do you do um it's a good question do you just drop spellcasters that have that type of ability but then that's no fun it makes the world less uh real uh, and immersive for players so 
maybe just go to the once per round default to it. Um, even if you have them roll once per round and add like disadvantage to them, um, that's a viable mechanic as well. But just to keep them rolling and keep them engaged, I think that's the best way to go. I do believe that Cure Light Wounds can be used to uh, cure paralysis. And there's lots of spells that do this, cause fear, like you've mentioned, sleep, uh, magic jar, audible glamour, or there's just a ton of them, especially when you move into advanced Dungeons and Dragons and then uh, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. I really feel like it is in genre to be able to have this effect, but I don't see any reason that you can't fight through it because I think Conan has often done that. And I think in uh, the game I'm working on, I would allow, I allow people to burn their attribute points so but you know you don't automatically get them freely so i think uh that it's accurate and it's an issue and it's something that can be di designed around so jason and carl both pointing towards this idea of a meta currency or a, a way to buy your way out a game mechanism that allows you to maybe make a difficult choice to free yourself up so if you if you're happy to just kind of ride it out for a little while, let your uh, companions perhaps come to your aid, that's fine. If worse comes to the worst and you really are stuck, you've got this, in Jason's example, you've got this pool of hit points. In Carl's example, you've got this, potentially this pool of astonishing fortune or meta currency or luck points. I believe these are, these are strong options and things we should be considering bringing into our games. This is not really a discussion, like I say, about different editions of D&D. This is, I'm trying to look at the broad umbrella of games and game design. You've come to play a game. If players or people sitting at that table are not engaged with the game, they're no longer really playing it. And then your game and what you set out to achieve is no longer happening. And I, I think that's a bit of a failure. So if you can put things into place that address that, I, I want my players playing. I want everybody at the table getting involved and being engaged. And I just realised I said hit points and I meant ability points. So Jason's suggesting you burn ability points. Just calling in about saving throws and losing a turn. Totally agree with you. Mechanics where you force a player to lose a turn, yeah, I guess they're super old school. The whole point of playing the game is so you can play. So even getting to make a death save on your turn or save against paralysis or what have you is, is I hadn't really thought about it, but is, is kind of newer tech. I think it's a good advance forward. I think the designers of D&D 5th edition, maybe 4th edition, I'm not sure when that actually came in. I think they were pretty intentional about trying not to have places where people lose a turn. Um, I'm calling in about the uh, miss a turn mechanisms and some of the discussion. Um, specifically, I so I agree with you that there's a there's sort of a design issue there a lot of times, and I think I I um, disagree a little with John that. Um, you can just well obviously you can just house rule those things out or not play with them as much or all that sort of stuff but i think 
that shouldn't be used as an excuse to prop up poorly designed things. And I think one of the reasons why there is an element of poor design is not just because of the idea that you take away the player's turn and it's not necessarily fun for the players, but also because the way that they often work with um, saving throws, you know, make a, make a saving throw to avoid bad penalty is something that the players don't have a lot of control over. And what I mean is that, for instance, if a player recognizes that they're taking a lot of hits in combat and they're losing a lot of HP and that they need to, you know, get tougher, um, obviously their HP will increase naturally over the course of gaining levels. But if the player kind of sets their mind to it, they can hoard up their treasure to buy a better set of armor, right? You can essentially proactively work towards becoming better on that front saving throws there isn't really an option like that right it's certainly in these old school games but even in the new ones you know in dnd 5e um you get a proficiency bonus with certain saving throws but that's based on your class and that doesn't change at all really so i think that's one of the sort of issues with saving throws as a mechanic is that they don't really have a way for the player to interact with or to improve um and that that's sort of a uh an issue with game design if what we want are empowered proactive players um, right, a, a proactive player needs to have some way to interact with that sort of stuff beyond just get more levels, right? Or at least I think that they often do. I, I guess needs is a strong word, but that, that that would be a positive benefit. Saving throws coming under scrutiny a little bit there from Arlen. I think he's approached this from a different angle, thinking outside the box a little bit. It's another way of getting players invested, scrutinising their characters and looking for ways to improve so that perhaps in future they can avoid the potential save or suck situation by developing their their defence. Yo, dude, so I wanted to throw my two cents in on the lose your turn discussion. Um, Yeah, I just think it's one of those old legacy mechanics, mechanisms that's gotten passed down from game to game. Even before RPG, you know, in board games, there are lose-a-turn mechanics all over the place uh, in so many board games. Monopoly, Uno, Trouble, all kinds of stuff, you know, Fireball Island. When <laughs> also, Anyway, you know what I mean. So I think it's just sort of one of those things that's gotten passed down and everyone's like, yeah, that's just part of the game. And I don't necessarily think it's a... A good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I'm I'm pretty neutral when it comes to lose a turn mechanics. Like if you just learn lose a turn or two, that's not a big deal. But I could see it definitely sucking if you were out for like an entire combat and there's no way at all to recover from it. You know, if there's no like if a cure light wounds, if that gets rid of being paralyzed or held, uh, then yeah, I don't think that's a big problem uh losing a turn necessarily but yeah being out of a whole fight sucks and especially if there's no way out of it so that's where i kind of stand if it's just a part of the game maybe it'd only be momentary or something it's all good if it puts you out for like an entire combat i don't know it's not maybe the best mechanic i totally should have said mechanisms there my bad 
Um, but so here's an example. In the recent Rise of the Rune Lords game that I'm in, we were fighting a ghoul bat, a giant bat that was a ghoul. And at one point in the fight, it had three of the four party members paralyzed. And the way Pathfinder does it with ghouls, I think if you fail your saving throw, so you get an initial saving throw, and then it's uh, to see how long it lasts, I think it's a D4 plus one rounds. So you might be out for five rounds, which is a whole fight. But in that specific in- incident, it added a very real sense of uh, drama and tension. You know, and it changed our battle tactics. And it worked in a really cool way because we were all coming out of paralysis at a different time. So it sort of affected the way that the combat went. And it was actually really interesting. And you asked about, about Dungeon World and other systems. How do they handle this situation? And I will say, you know, having played a lot of Dungeon World, that the way they handle it is a little bit different. Um, first of all, the whole idea of turns isn't really part of the Dungeon World's rule set. It's up to the GM to shift a spotlight and to keep the narrative going and to continually be re-describing kind of what the situation is and then turning to each player and saying, what do you do? Even if someone, even if a player character is held, the GM should still be checking back in and say, okay, what do you do? But there is always, the player always has some sort of agency. And I feel like the old school hold person takes away a player's agency and i don't think that's any fun for anybody but maybe some players like that i don't i'm really glad that chris picked up on dungeon world i thought there was great ideas in that game when i read it for the first time i was super inspired and i immediately wanted to sort of bring ideas from that and add them into the kind of games that i was playing at the time dungeons and dragons fifth edition for example i could see so many ways to kind of revitalize my play bring new stuff to the players i'm not worried about looking at any sort of game if i think it can improve the experience for people sitting around the table and playing a game i'm going to talk about that you asked at the end why i think it's a good or why people in general think it's a good thing that these um spells be included now for me personally i think the reason we're having the spells in there is because the players can use them. And as you've said, and quite rightly so, if the player's cast it on a monster, and a monster's held, it doesn't mean the GM's out of the game. they got more monsters than you can shake a D20 at. So it does have different effects. However, I think in order to maintain a sort of a certain level or a sort of level playing field, a certain amount of verisimilitude, if you're going to have the spell in there for the players, then it also has to be available for the monsters and the NPCs to cast. Now, if you're suggesting changing the spell for both NPCs and players, to be honest, a lot like they've done in Fifth Ed, to be honest, I'm not unduly fussed with it. I prefer a spell with less mechanics just because I'm not a fan of like bloated books and having to try and remember increasingly specific amounts of rules. But obviously, that's just my personal opinion. At the end of the day, if they change whole person in 5th ad, 6th ad, 7th ad, 8th ad, whatever you want to call it going forward, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Because to be honest, I'm not really their primary audience. I've got my old school games. I'm quite happy with those. And I'll continue playing them. They're not really affected by it in any way. And like I say, 
I'm not really the person that what's here going to be making all of them big books out of with all those future editions. So, yeah, I can sort of see your point as to why it might need a bit of changing for certain people. But to be honest, I think if you've got a bit of common sense as a GM, it's not difficult to adjudicate when those things should be used. And as to why they're required in the game, I think just for verisimilitude, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It might not be a great reason, but that's what I got. I feel we're perhaps a little bit at cross-purposes here. That's the whole point of having a discussion to perhaps get to the bottom of some of this and thrash a few things out and hopefully we all come away with something worthwhile. I know this has taken me bloody ages to put together juggling these messages i hope you find it worthwhile we're talking about changing the whole person making it shorter giving more saving throws or any of those spells are the npcs and monsters at that point those shorter duration affects them and they get more saving throws too so if you give saving throw every turn for charm person hold person sleep whatever then just remember the monsters the people the PCs are casting the spells against also get all those additional saving throws. That's not necessarily good or bad. Yes, folks, I know you want me to go away and be quiet, but I um, I cannot ignore these callings. I think I think it's an interesting discussion on the podcast. Now we're getting ideas and suggestions about other games, what other games are doing how they address player elimination. The point I made about board games seems to be sinking in a little bit. If, if for you, Monopoly is the pinnacle of board game design, perhaps you're not going to understand this. I feel like on Discord at the moment, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get the message across. I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall somewhat. It's easy to feel like you can't ever a problem or ask a question if... Every time you raise a point, there's a tendency for, I don't know if I'd call it people getting defensive, or I, I don't know what it is, but telling me that things have always been done a certain way is, I, I just don't think it's helpful. When you, when you play a game and you find you've got a problem, you go to the community for advice and ideas and to have a discussion, why are you shutting it down? with, ah, well, I think it's fine, we've always done it like that. That's rubbish. That is rubbish. Sorry, but how am I going to have a podcast with that attitude? I don't understand what I'm supposed to be able to talk about. So thankfully, I'm getting call-ins from people that are able to just put that aside, look at things, bearing in mind what I'm saying. I also tried to say on the podcast that if you're fine and you haven't got a problem with your game, then we don't we don't need to talk about that because you're fine. I'm not fine with sitting on a bench, on the sidelines, watching a game for a couple of hours. I, I, I don't sign up for that. And I'm, I'm finding that's what I'm getting. I'm not making this, I'm not making this shit up. Lose a turn mechanics, I know you're ready to move past that. One interesting thing that was on the Discord today, and I'm going to adopt it across the board of my games, what that is is that other party members 
can shock a character into a saving throw. So if somebody's held or charmed or asleep, they can throw water on them or slap them in the face. Or if they're charmed because they drank the blood of Kali, maybe they can burn them with a torch to wake them up, right? So I think that is, you know, that way other party members can, can use an action to give the person affected a save. I realize it doesn't fix it if the play, if that PC is all by themselves, which case, I, I don't know about hero points or adventure points or whatever we want to call them. I like Hobbs's recommendation better where they can burn stats to get a chance for that extra save and throw. I, I actually like that quite a bit. It's a little bit tricky, but I, but I think there's something to that. As far as the conversation, you I think you kind of want to veer towards now the idea of game design and good and bad game design. You know, it's interesting because we talk about old school games, but we're really talking about D&D, right? Because you look at other old school games, look at Tunnels and Trolls, the second fantasy role-playing game. In Tunnels and Trolls, when you, you know, as you get experience, the way the way you're going up and level and all is you're increasing your ability. So it is random generation initially, but after that, you bump up your scores and your saving throws are directly related to your attributes. So in Tunnels and Trolls, you do have the ability to you know, increase your saving throws effectively, and you can choose which ones go up. So, And, and that was the, the second game ever out there, right? And then as you go on, you know, later systems, you have systems like Bushido, which is like 1980, and in Bushido, it's all point by. You, you know, you can choose where your things go, and, and again, your saving throws and all are related to those. So you have a direct, you have total control over that beginning character, what points go where. So it's not, ju- it's not an old game issue, but it, but it is a, a D&D issue, a TSR D&D issue, I guess. I just want to make sure I put a word in that some of the old games did allow that, you know, agency, the player, a, the human agency, in affecting these fictional characters. I think you raise an interesting point about people being discouraged from talking when their piece is not directly involved with the action. Now, I don't hold this strictly myself in games, but I do remember sort of back in the day that, yeah, that very much was a thing. You know, if you were talking when your character was unconscious or not there, people would be like, wait, you're not there, what's going on? And whilst I think if you're giving people sort of in-character advice and stuff like that, maybe that's a bit more sort of dodgy ground because your character's not actually there. I don't strictly enforce people like not talking when they're knocked out or whatever because it's a social activity at the end of the day. One of the things I think is good about online gaming, though, is if you're not involved and like, there's another person not involved, you can always sort of message them in the chat, you know, like when we're using Zoom or whatever, without disturbing the other players. Well, how very dare you, Colin, with your reasoned and rational argument. If it's not bad enough, you convince me to give 5th edition another go. To be honest, you've actually got me sort of questioning my initial thoughts about the, the sort of hold person and the paralysis and stuff like that. And obviously a, a number of people who've called in as well. And now I'm thinking about it. I, I can to be honest, I can sort of see your point. And obviously like I said, I watched the um I watched the session where you, you were basically sidelined for the entire session because of these uh these paralysis rays from the, the great race of Yith. I do think you make a good point that it's pretty much an old mechanic that's been in D&D since God was a boy. So I've been trying to think about it slightly more rather than just sort of saying, no, it's fine, whole person is fine. As I was sort of tempted to do originally, I probably did. I've been trying to think of a slightly more productive way in which this could be handled. And I was wondering what you thought of this suggestion. You know, they've got like the usage dice in like Black Hack where you like you roll a dice and uh, 
if you get a one, that dice gets sort of moved down to the the next sort of dice on the scale. And then when you get to a D4 and you get a one, that's it, it's gone. I wonder whether you could maybe adapt something like that to represent the duration of like a hold person or a paralysis. Interestingly, fifth edition D&D does allow a, 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 an increase in ability scores at certain levels. Can't remember where they kick in now. But uh, your, your saving throw is linked to your ability in that system as well. So as you level up, you, you can bump up your abilities as well as your proficiency score goes up. John's point about the online gaming. Now, I should have thought about a Zoom chat. I, I'm not great with computers. And it, it is, yeah something I should consider using that chat function a little bit more because you could also communicate with the GM players that are out of the game all sorts of useful functions I'm glad that uh, people have listened to the ep episode gone away considered what's been said and, and then come back with fresh ideas you know that's what that's what I'm looking for that's why I'm podcasting asking questions, hoping people think about their games, maybe make improvements, maybe not. I felt I had to call in because I think you're absolutely right. Sort of saying, oh, we're doing this because that's the way it's always been done isn't a good reason in and of itself. Because after all, if everyone had always had that attitude, we wouldn't even have RPGs because the people who were playing war games back in the day would never have said, oh, what would it be like if you were if we played like a few like individual characters that have just gone, no, we've always played great big armies with huge battalions of men. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to stay. So we wouldn't really even have this great hobby that we all enjoy now. So I think you're right. Whilst I like looking backwards and sort of having, I almost have a certain nostalgic reverence for the old stuff. You also have to consider that times change. Just to comment in about, um, the sort of losing your turn kind of mechanic just to let you know i've kind of experienced some of that myself i'm going to talk a bit more about it on my own podcast but just wanted to say that i definitely know some players who got narked off about being stuck and not able to do things i've also been in parties and games where if you're asleep or paralyzed the other players give you a hard time if you talk and try and interact so you know i have seen what you've seen where actually that is kind of discouraged and so you are kind of really shut down and i've seen people do it quite gleefully with players who think are a bit overbearing which i think is a bit mean to be honest so you know i've kind of seen the darker side of those mechanisms so i'm kind of with you in a bit on the fact that it's not really suitable for all tables and all players but you know it was kev's session that got me pondering all this again and I've grown a little bit concerned listening to Kev's episode. Um, well, I was a little bit concerned before, in fairness. If you'd listened to earlier episodes where I was stressing that I felt a lot of this was to do with a system, yet a good number of call-in call in suggested that they feel that the uh, responsibility lies pretty much solely with the uh, GM in question. And I just want to make it quite clear that... Um, I think Kev is basically a, a world-class DM. On the whole, I've thoroughly enjoyed all the sessions that I've played. And I don't want to over-dramatise my discontent this recent session. I may have 
kind of um, a bit emotional or passionate in, in my explanations. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to convince people to give this some thought. And if I if I just kind of like mumble about it casually, I, I don't think it, it quite gets the message across. So it's not that I've got any problem with these type of spells or maybe an old school style of play. I just really I'm appealing to dungeon masters just to consider this seriously and think don't don't use these things lightly it's a bit of the old chestnut discussion of player agency and player engagement this idea of player elimination because although they they can come back you kind of that you could potentially be eliminated from a session so really when I was started off calling it the miss a turn mechanism that's perhaps trivialising it, and I think that has led to a little bit of a misunderstanding. Hey mate, I love this topic about miss a turn uh, play. The main solution I have for this kind of thing is, uh, through playing ICRPG, I became very good at having quick turns, um, and even that's bled over into our play of D&D, &D, uh, 5th edition. Try and keep everyone's turns real snappy, we have uh, just around the table turn order most of the time, so it keeps the rounds moving pretty quickly so if you're asleep for a round or two rounds or you're knocked out for a round or two unconscious if everyone at the table is only taking about one minute for their turn you're only missing five minutes ten minutes worth of play um, if the turn order is moving really quickly and everyone's keeping on their feet and so it mitigates any kind of loss of turn mechanics we don't have much sleep going on, but we have a lot of people getting knocked unconscious and needing to be revived, so it happens all the time. Now, I said maybe a little bit of a misunderstanding is creeping in, and I can't be sure of that. I would echo Shay in saying that I think 5th edition does create quite a nice pace and that the turns can fly around fairly speedily. I don't know how that get, how that goes once it gets into the higher levels because that's not something I've really done. I, I seem to end up playing quite a lot around the fifth or sixth level kind of mark. Yeah, so I I don't feel the 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 problem that I've talked about, and really, like I said, that miss a turn is is throwing people off. I'm talking about when you're either taken out of a session wholesale, let's say maybe for an hour plus. Up, up to about an hour, I reckon, you can scratch around doing other bits and bobs, try and stay engaged with, with other things. But once it gets beyond an hour, I, f I think particularly online, for me, you're looking at your watch at that point, and I feel like it's just a missed opportunity. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed or anything, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I feel what I'm doing a really bad job of explaining it, but if you can run a system that's got those snappy turns and you can keep them snappy. I'd mentioned as well that board games where, you know, half an hour to 40 minutes or say to get to get round a table only to find that you've got some kind of um, miss a turn situation and then it's got to go back round the table again. And that was where I was getting this idea of 30 or 40 minutes to, to get a turn in. I wasn't suggesting that was a, a thing that happens in my role-playing games. But in board games, I can tell you, that, ha that can easily happen. I'm calling as a budding designer, and I'm calling you 
as a much valued playtester. I I suppose I stumbled into this, didn't I, in our little exchange, with a with a thought for my system that I wanted to get your get your thoughts on, and that and that fed into the the misaturn topic because I realised that I had kind of over-designed something, shall we say, or that I was doubly punishing characters in, in certain sticky situations. So the first thing that I wanted to say is, I think this... I think this misaturn business, I think it comes from recognising a potential for variability because it's not inevitable that it will happen and it's not inevitable how long it will last for and it's not inevitable what the consequences are it's i think it's it's done with good intentions with an eye to variability and as i think you know variability for me is a really key thing precisely the thing that i realized was that I was encouraging, and this is where it's not exactly miss a turn. I realised that the thing that I had designed, that you experienced, that you play tested, was basically encouraging characters to be inactive, to not do anything, and to conserve their energy. Whereas, what you really want them to do is to lean into the risk and do something. So then I had to make a call as to where I would, what element I would change. And it was precisely that one which forces the players to act or encourages the players to act. Um, And the consequence of that is, in terms of design, is that it, stripped out an entire mechanism that's not necessarily a good thing a a rules light system is not inherently better than a complicated one but as you have uh, discussed uh, and with me as we've discussed when you when you actually look at a game like D&D or even Call of Cthulhu Actually, when it comes down to it, the rules are pretty simple. These big rule books are big because they fill other things out, whereas a lot of rules light systems just let you house rule that stuff. So it's not inherently good to strip out a mechanism from a system. And that's the beauty of the playtesting, of thinking through the system, what things you want to foreground, emphasise, make central, make peripheral, you know, all of those kinds of things. But if one says to oneself, you, you are going to make a game with 15 or 20 rules components core rules components by taking that one out 
and not overcomplicating that particular aspect of the rules, I've gained or regained another mechanism component that I can put somewhere else. So I'm not overloading people with rules and always trying to make the different parts make sense, fit well together and not end up with things basically falling inactive, being forgotten, feeling cumbersome. But in this particular example, what prompted me to to ask for your feedback was that I had suddenly realised I want the characters to be active. I want to encourage them, to force them to be active and not to encourage and force them to to be retiring or to bide their time, to be conservationist, uh, conservative with their with their with their actions. The other thing that I wanted to say, which is about this 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 philosophical aspect that you keep coming up against, and I think that's really interesting. It's about this experience. What's the experience that we are all aiming for? in the game. So I think that's that is is got nothing to do with system and your feels to me like you're picking up on this topic as a game master and you're asking then questions of the systems that you're using. So that's where it it kind of shimmers between being if you like a design question and uh, and a homebrew question, and I think it's I think it's good to lean on the on the design side of things, and I'm saying that as a as a budding designer here, because that's exactly what I'm thinking about. I am thinking about what what kind of experience I want my system to to engender to create for people and and I guess I want it to be enjoyable for everyone and I completely agree with you on this fundamental aspect which is we've all managed to get together let's have some fun so really I guess it's that this idea of of a of a of a punishment a player punishment a character player character punishment on the one hand they shouldn't just be straight punishments that's what you're saying you're saying let's not just dish out a straight punishment to a player character let's make it bite let's give it a punishment aspect but at the same time always make it satisfying have the feeling of how things are going to proceed and then there's that that question like you say then of engagement and keeping people engaged um and that i'm not going to really go into that but i think that's where for me the system the design really comes into it if the system is engaging 
when you learn it, when you're introduced to it, when you play it, I think your mind is, is kind of twitching, wanting to get stuck in again. I think if the system itself is, is kind of leaden, heavy, clunky, overly complicated, I think you, you, you've, you've, that, that you've missed the chance to capture people's attention almost, almost from the get-go. My last thing that I want to say is I think, I think if we're playing games where turns take 40 minutes to come full circle there's just really something wrong and I, and I wonder if that is then also an issue about going round in a circle that kind of circular turn taking which I personally don't feel is particularly important because it's much more interesting to follow the dynamics that are actually taking place and to 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 balance things out or to you know to for things to 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 go an entertaining course at the same time as a gm always making sure that that people have have had their turn are having their turn are doing something but yeah i think games where things are taking really that long personally i i can i can do it it's fine but i just knowing that it's possible to have games where turns are are coming round in five minutes maybe even less five minutes ten minutes you know why and and they're just as entertaining just as rich just as satisfying why would you why would you want to go back to waiting half an hour for a for a turn Uh, i fully agree it's not just about single like losing a single turn although if you're missing 30 40 50 minutes more of a of gameplay that can't just be about a combat uh, where you've had a sleep spell or something used on you you know there's something else um, going on and another learning I have really from Runehammer and ICRPG um, is the reality that the real commodity at the table is time the time that each player gets um, every round and it needs to be shared out equally among the players um, so that they all feel like uh, they're engaging and getting a chance to play and uh, I'd just like to speak about that for another moment as I was saying Colin to miss more than 10 or 20 or 30 minutes worth of play means that it's probably outside of combat that you're losing time um, engaging at the table and so another strategy I take from ICRPG is I stay in turn order outside of combat as well so that when we're in a social situation or any other uh, exploration situation I'm going around the table going from the person in the first seat hey Tom uh, what do you say what do you do in this situation and then I look to the next person at the table Charlie Charlie what do you want to do what do you want to say and then I'll look to Vanya she's sitting in the third spot Vanya what would you like to do with your turn and so I keep forcing turns upon people so the people that are maybe sitting back and don't want to uh, you know a little bit more shy and won't push forward to get a turn I'm making sure they get a turn I like that phrase, force a turn, 
as opposed to miss a turn. So I'm forcing people to have a turn. Maybe you're asleep under some enchantment and you know for days at a time it's outside of combat. But when it comes to your turn at the table I'm saying spike pit, what do you say, what do you do in your turn? Well obviously you're unconscious but what is going on uh, for you? So I'm, I, I throw that ball into people's court no matter what situation they're in and maybe that would be an opportunity you know you're like uh, Snow White and you're unconscious because you ate the poison apple so you maybe you talk about the dreams you had you're having while you're asleep or the struggles you're having I don't know but maybe you have a flashback but at least I throw the ball into your court and you know it's going to keep coming back to you on a regular basis so you're not going to get um, cut out of play. I believe uh, I think I kind of know what you're talking about uh, in regards to player elimination you know if somebody casts a sleep spell on you or a web spell it takes you out of the game like you don't have any actions or turns or whatever and i think um i don't know a couple weeks ago i did call in about it i have no idea what i said or what my thoughts were at the time uh, but what i think colin is if you have an issue with it it's got to be something you work out with the dm in that moment but in a session i played recently a fifth edition one of my characters died um, yeah, so I rolled up a new character. It took me behind around 10 or 15 minutes. The, the session was still going, and um, the GM literally reintroduced my characters, him falling from the sky like a meteor, um, you know, touchdown uh, around the party, um, that, you know, it was fine from it or whatever. It was just uh, kind of a silly way to introduce us, and it didn't, um, it didn't bother me. I thought it was cool, and I was able to kind of get back into the game and keep playing for the next half hour or 45 minutes or whatever the session or however long it ran on there's something like that you can do i mean i don't know what else to say man i think it's um something you got to work out with the dm and i don't know if you're the dm in this case or if someone else is um, but i definitely think it's worth bringing up to them and colin i'm coming at this from bx so keep that in mind when i say this um, in defense of quote player elimination Issues to me, I as a player, I enjoy that kind of thing um, because with BX, there's almost always, um, if not always, a counter to whatever situation you're going to find yourself in. Maybe not save or die or save or suck, right? And we've kind of grown away from that with modern game design. But the other things, like a ghoul walking up and paralyzing you, um, there's a counter for that, and you either learn it from experience or you learn it between sessions, reading the rules or whatever. Um, and, and as a player, I personally enjoy that kind of thing. I don't know, I'm weird or just different or whatever it is. I like learning all those little tips and tricks. So I don't always want those kind of things to have to rely on a quick die roll. Um, to me, it's just, I don't know, it's part of the game that I enjoy. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense to you. Um, to me, it makes sense. That's, And I don't want to say, well, that's just how we've always done it. Uh, because I know that's not helpful, uh, and and I you know I want to have a, a a meaningful conversation with you about this. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just I think I don't know how other games do it. I don't play a lot of other games, or you know I've played BX and I've played Five E. I know in Five E you just continuously get to to roll a die, um, and that's fine. Um, to me, it's a little less interesting. I guess it really just boils down to like personal preference, right? Um, like for me personally, I don't mind, um, you know, and, and the people that I play with and the way I run games, I usually just try and get someone back into the action as soon as possible, whether it's a different character or the same character or, or whatever. Um, some people that works, I guess some people it doesn't. 
anyway, I, you know, it's a good conversation, Colin. And I, I know you're frustrated with people just saying, well, that's the way we've always done it. And that's not what I'm trying to say here. Um, so I've been thinking a lot over your whole um, lose a turn mechanic situation. And I think really it comes down to um, player personality. I'm a type of player that hangs in the back. I tend to just listen to the other players, listen to the DM, and I speak when I need to or if I'm addressed. And I'm still having a great time enjoying the game. I like to just sit on the sidelines, play my character how I would play it, and just have fun. And I know, you know, there are other people that like to dominate the game. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but they're people that like to take charge, constantly active, constantly speaking up, that kind of stuff. And so I can see that becoming a problem for people who are more dominant in a game, more out there, you know, being the lead of the party, you know, taking control of the conversation. I can see that being a problem where, great, I'm paralyzed. I can't even do anything. And then, you know, watching your other players try to defeat the enemy in hopes that maybe they can unparalyze you or take you to safety or something. And I can get to how that can be frustrating for people that have to be doing something constantly. And I think that's why older, I mean, uh, newer editions of D&D and other games, they make it set up to where you are rolling saving throws each turn. So you're doing something. And, you know, to continue playing so you don't feel like you have lost a turn. But yeah, like, I know for someone like me, whenever stuff like that happens to my characters, it doesn't bother me. Because I'm already sitting back on the sidelines anyways, having a great time. And now, I don't know, I still have that anxiety for my character. But now, really, for the rest of the party. Because then you get to watch how the rest of the party their actions quickly change because, oh crap, their buddy just got paralyzed. Now everything has to change. Like their whole tactics that you had, the plan you had, everything went to crap. So now it's a completely different strategy, and it's great. And I need to respond a little bit to this. Uh, So get out your pen and paper. Here we go. On and on about the whole part where... You got hit with the hold person and you're totally out of the combat for that long period of time on the uh, whatever, on the stream and everything in the game. You know, I, I, I think about that and, I, and I, I feel for you and I feel for you because that GM should have done a better job of keeping you involved. It should have been on them to come up with something to keep you in there. But I will also say, you know, if the players get to use mechanics like that, that can take a monster out for a bit, the monsters or the enemies should be able to have mechanics to take out the players like that. So, you know, what's good for the goose, good for the gander. But really, it's the the GM that should have kept you more involved, not the fact that that particular mechanism, mechanic, effect, whatever you want to call it, is in play. Don't blame that. It's part of the game. How it's used, that's where we should think about it. Related to that, and and I've been hearing another podcast in here. If there's a rule for it, 
then you know either we say, no, we don't like that rule, we're going to house rule it out. But if there are no rules for or rules against something, like spell effects, you know, that's something that's going around right now. How long does a spell last? Well, unless the rules say something about it, then it's Arneson time. Rulings over rules. Figure out what you want to do. I, the whole thing of uh, house rulings, or you know, when I hear house rules, that really should be house rulings. Where we decide, well, there's nothing that says when this spell stops or starts. You know, this, this one might, this one doesn't. Doesn't say that we can interrupt it or stop it early. Doesn't say we can't. As a GM, you decide. So yeah, don't worry about if you put that whole person in your campaign and you think somebody's getting uh, taken out for a long period of time. Think about it. Hey, when can you start it or stop it or anything like that? Rulings, not rules. Just chipping on on Mr. Turn episode. Um, I remember making a big mistake when I first started DMing of teleporting a PC out of the dungeon right at the beginning and that player missed pretty much the whole session. I think there's a big difference between miss a turn and miss whole session. I also wonder whether some of this miss a turn versus basically relates to who the game was targeted at the beginning. It was about kids, wasn't it, at the beginning? Probably not grown-ups with uh, busy lives. So if you missed missed a bit of a session... There was another one around the corner. It wasn't maybe such a big deal, but you're right. If you've got two weeks between games, you know, you got a job and, and you missed the whole session, well, that, that's probably unfortunate, isn't it? So I think missing a turn is okay. Missing an episode, a uh, session is not so good. I also think that um, miss a turn can be okay. Um, I understand why you're saying it. Is it good game design? Um, but I think, I think there can be some benefits to it if you're right. You know, if it's part of your game, then players know they have to be ready, maybe adapt for these kind of scenarios. But also, I think it can have a way of, um, I shouldn't, I don't think, sometimes it can be easy to think it's about a player missing out, but is it basically enhance the experience for some other players? Because basically, they've got the pressure on them now. There's only three of them versus the, uh, you know, Ogre Magi versus all five of them. And as long as that spotlight moves around, such that someone else, someone else sometimes has more of the attention than just, um, you know, the whole group. And sometimes maybe it's a way of bringing out the, the player that doesn't get a, a chance sometimes because the dominant players, you know, the dominant player's been uh, sleeped. But I think it's a fair point what you raise. A lot of anchorites are probably in the DM zone. It can be quite a different experience as the DM versus the player. I recently uh, was rolling up some characters um, using some of, the, some of the things that came up and I started thinking that some of the things I wrote about, you know, these specific character generation ways felt a bit harsh <laughs> as a player. Um, as a DM, maybe maybe these things feel you don't notice the some of the the rougher points because, as you say, the DM is always in the game. So um, yeah, I think it's a valid point to at least bring up. Let's air it, see if we agree, and then um, and take it from there. Change the way we do it if necessary. Let this episode stand as a tribute to those listeners who get on board think about what we're we're talking about and then take the effort to pick up their phone or get on a device and call in to Old Spy Pit. Take care and I'll catch you later. A 
fell into a spike pit. Oh yeah, a spike pit. Oh, up it would have spikes in it.